Welcome to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. Each week, our host, Dr. Laura Shinneman, dives deep into school library topics to help you build your skills and take charge of your own professional development. Her mission is to create an environment where librarians flourish and become lifelong learners. Now, on to today's podcast. I'd like to welcome Rachel Grover to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. So Rachel, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your background working with school libraries. Sure, well, I am so happy to be with you today. And um, I actually graduated from Old Dominion University back in 2014 with my library degree. Uh, Before that, I was a teacher. I taught fifth grade for a few years, and then I taught middle school English for several years before I decided to become a librarian. So it was great to have my classroom experience kind of morph into being a librarian. Uh, A middle school librarian for seven years now, And um, I'm at a school with grades seven and eight, and I am in Northern Virginia, and my school is majority minority. So uh, we have quite a few uh, students who the vast majority of our population um, is not white. And so it's a very interesting population that I love to be part of. Very neat. Okay. So in, in Virginia, what does it take to become a librarian where you are? So to be a school librarian, um, you don't have to be a teacher, but they make you take teaching classes if you come in with just a regular library degree. Um, The state of Virginia says that if you have more than a thousand students at your school, which I do, um, you get two librarians. Um, Librarians are actually part of the standards of quality in Virginia. And so all schools, um, regardless of how many students have a full-time certified librarian. I just heard gasping across America. (laughs) Virginia is a great place to be. Yeah, everybody wants it to be part of the, the, you know, the mandated staffing, you know, that's something we fought for a long time, you know, where I am and it's just never happened. And I understand because, you know, there's some, we have some tiny little districts with less than 200 kids, you know, in the whole district and they don't even have one of every grade level teacher, you know, they, they share right. all kinds of things. So I do understand that, man, that's got to be nice to, to have that kind of support. Well, congratulations. It's fantastic. Yeah. I'm actually part of Fairfax County, which is the 10th largest county in, in the United States. And we have about 193,000 students in our county. Okay. Uh, we have about 250 librarians just in our county. Okay. It is an amazing place to be a school librarian. Yeah. So are your school districts set up as county districts, so to speak? Okay. Yeah. Some yes, are very much somewhere. So yeah, very nice. Right. Where I grew up in Massachusetts, it's, hi, Massachusetts, if you're listening, um, <laughs> by town. So I grew up in a town that had eight elementary schools and one middle school and one high school, and that was the whole district. So I'm very blessed to be part of Fairfax County, which is lots of different towns. Yeah, and I appreciate that too. Just again, thinking back to like my, the little districts by me, uh, because we're city-based too. And so if, if they're tiny and they don't have one, anybody in central office, they don't really have anybody to connect with. So it's nice when you, you do have that county system because there's bound to be you know people to reach out to e- more easily you know, the normal. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. All right. Well, Rachel, think back to the beginning. Um, what, what are some stories that you remember from the beginning of your uh, time starting out? So I remember that there wasn't much at my school um, besides checkout and teaching databases. It just wasn't library friendly. And so I essentially had to build my program from the ground up. 
And so I did a lot of outreach. I did a lot of figuring out what I wanted my library to be, which was kind of an amazing thing. Um, and I knew that my library could be so much more than that being fresh out of library school. Yeah. Um, but as kind of a funny story, um, I remember setting up my very first book fair and it was Scholastic. And yeah. with Scholastic, they have these huge metal carts that like they open as a V shape. Yes. Well, I had never set up a book fair before and I didn't have any experiences with these carts. And I apparently opened it too wide. Like there's a certain angle that they have to be, oh, but no. I opened it too wide and the whole thing fell right over. The books <laughs> went everywhere. And naturally there were kids working in the library. So I totally felt like I had no idea what I was doing. And they were like, what is wrong with her? <laughs> so I have always been very careful with how I open those carts now. Yeah, that's, I, I, I can picture that because they're, and they're even, some of them are hard to open, you know, but so obviously there's a tipping point with that. So. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a, a funny moment. Yeah, good to know. All right. So Rachel, a lot of my listeners are early career people. So what, what kind of advice would have been helpful to you when you were starting out? Well, I would just say my biggest advice is just to keep on keeping on, keep being awesome, um, really be who the person you want to be. Mm -hmm. And being a librarian can be an uphill battle sometimes. Uh, the sky is the limit for how you can develop yourself professionally. And so I just say, even if the battle is uphill and it's snowing and you have no shoes on, you know, you are going to, you know, make a difference for your staff and your kids. So, you know, really be, be your best because your kids and your and your staff deserve it. Yeah, for sure. I had um, one interview a couple months ago and, and the, she kept saying, I'm giving you permission to be awesome. I wish somebody would have told me it's okay to be awesome because, you know, she was yes. kind of holding back, you know, from doing things. So great advice there for, from you. Thank you. All right. So Rachel, we are at this point, I'm counting on post-pandemic. <laughs> so when you're thinking about, you know, the start of this next school year, um, what's something that you've planned to kind of help kick off the year and make it a great one? So this past year was kind of bizarre for me because um, our school was under a three-year renovation <laughs> and my library was actually moved in the middle of the pandemic without me. Oh. Uh, we had moved spaces and we had it on the calendar that we were going to be moved um, about two weeks from when we had closed. So the moment that they had closed, it was nobody was allowed in the building. Well, apparently that didn't count for construction because construction's always on a schedule. Yeah. So our library was moved without us. Uh, and this year was an interesting year to kind of figure out how our library worked. Um, we were in a brand new space. Uh, is beautiful and the construction did a great job. Our taxpayers did an awesome job with funding it. And we had kind of a, a haphazard year because we started fully virtual. Uh, students didn't really get into the building until March at the earliest. Yeah. And a lot of our students, at least the majority stayed virtual all year long. Okay. So this was a year that we had to really figure out not only how to function in our new space, but also like, how does pandemic work with that too? Mm -hmm. and so next year, I am really looking forward to launching our new space. Um, something else that I'm really excited about is pre-pandemic, our school was given a very large grant from a local nonprofit. Okay. And we are launching our new makerspace called the Inspiration Studio. And it's our third makerspace that we have had in our school, but um, they gave us a very large grant to 
outfit the space. But because of COVID considerations and things, we haven't been able to use it. And so I am very much looking forward to welcoming students back into our library and getting them to experience our inspiration studio for the very first time. So getting students back in my library, getting um, the opportunity to collaborate, getting the opportunity to have students really experience our space and see what works. I'm just looking forward to getting back to normal. I know you need like a grand ribbon cutting or something, you know, like to welcome them into the library. So yes, for sure. Very awesome. What kind of like, what's one of the big things that you are putting in that inspiration um, lab? Well, we actually um, had a a survey go out to our students. Uh, So we're only grade seven and eight. Mm -hmm. So I asked uh, through a Google form survey to my seventh graders who would be staying on for next year. Um, as eighth graders, I kind of asked them what they wanted. And the majority of them um, really wanted what we already had, a lot of building, a lot of designing, Mm -hmm. Um, new things we're putting in, our green screen technology, graphic design, uh, we're in works for a few other things that I can't quite talk about yet. But I'm very much looking forward to having a space that is dedicated for students. Uh, Well, we'll have to follow you on Twitter because I'm sure you're going to do pictures about that. So we'll We'll see. Very good. Of course. All right. So post-pandemic, and you're kind of looking back and reflecting on this time, um, what's, what's been the big change for you professionally? So my biggest takeaway is that this is really a big moment for librarians and libraries. When we suddenly went virtual, we had to completely reinvent what being librarians meant and what offering library services meant in a completely virtual environment and then change it again to how it worked when we were in a hybrid environment when some students were in person and some weren't. And there were some places that, you know, reopened completely fine. Well, how do you do that with pandemic conditions? Mm -hmm. I really just applaud librarians for really stepping up to the challenge this year, really reinventing what it means. And so, you know, even though this year was trying for everyone, you know, both students and staff both had library needs this year. And so as librarians, we really stepped up and reimagined how we could still provide those services, but in a very different way. Yeah. Um, And so I was really excited to see all the creative thinking that I saw on Twitter, on other places and social media, just how people were reinventing, you know, getting library services to people and promoting reading still. Mm -hmm. And so I think my big takeaway is that I want us to continue to think about the services that we provided for our communities, those reinventions, what's going to stay and what's not. And so I feel like it's something that we really need to think about. Yeah. And professionally, um, I really think it's it's made me come back to my why as a school librarian. Why did I become a librarian? And so when we talked about, you know, how do we change what library looks like, we really had to think about, well, what are the core essentials? What are the things that absolutely positively need to be there and need to continue to be offered? And so I went back to my why. Why did I become a school librarian? Why am I in middle school? What are the things that my kids need and why are they going to continue to come back to my library? by answering a lot of those questions, it really helped me make decisions. So for me, a big part of my why is access. 
I did not have a middle school library that was very accessible. It was very rigid. There were a lot of rules. Um, there were things that just didn't make it feel like a kid environment. It kind of felt like the librarian read, ran the place and we just kind of were there on occasion and we weren't welcomed. And so I really want students to feel like you know, they can come into our doors and learn about anything. It could be something they're studying in class or kind of a, per, a personal interest that they want. Mm -hmm. um, the reason why I collaborate with all kinds of different content areas to make sure that they have access to library services and their different needs. And it's also why we have a makerspace. A lot of parents of teenagers are not going to invest in super expensive Lego equipment no. or super expensive you know, scrapbooking equipment. And so we have the opportunity as librarians to provide access to those things. And so when I really came back to my why, it really made a lot of things click. Mm -hmm. So we made sure to offer, you know, virtual activities that kids could engage in to still make sure that the library was fun. We made sure to have students um, have the opportunity to take out books from our library the print ones, and then we also really built our ebook collection. We created um, take and makes that students were like, there were little mini um, like makerspace activities yeah. that went home once a week. Um, I think it was in November. So that students could still have that making opportunity. We provided a lot of the basic supplies. And so coming back to that why really has helped kind of reground me and re make me rethink about what I'm doing as a librarian. So hopefully those things are still going to stick. Yeah, and I love that idea. This this probably before the start of this coming school year, we all really need to do that reflection. You know, that, you know, and I always quote Dr. Adolph Brown from an AASL meeting I went to, he was a keynote and it was like a, a reflective librarian is an effective librarian. And what you were doing was really causing you to reflect. And I, I love that. That's really, really good. I hope everybody listening will, will take an opportunity and write down their whys as you listen to like Rachel talk about hers. So that is awesome. Okay, Rachel. So I, I see you um, in a lot of different things online. <laughs> uh, so let, let's talk a little bit about um, things that you're passionate about. And I know a lot of that is you getting involved and um, connecting with others. So tell, let's talk a little bit about that. So here's kind of my, my main thing. And what's funny is I had probably four topics that I really could have talked about um, relatively passionately. And so it was really hard to come down to my one topic for this one. But when I think about how I was starting out, um, I really had a, a big thing, um, a, a big case of imposter syndrome. Have you heard of imposter syndrome before? Yes, I sure have. Yeah. So but the idea define it, define it for the listeners though, but yes. Right. So the um, the idea of imposter syndrome is that you you have the feeling that you have nothing to say and nobody's gonna listen to you. And why would they bother, you know, even paying attention to you? And uh, starting out, I had that feeling that like I was brand new in the field and why would anybody listen to me anyway? Mm -hmm. So by being part of things and connecting with other librarians. I very quickly gained that confidence. I very quickly gained those abilities to really flourish into the librarian that I am today. And so uh, my suggestion is just to get involved, make those connections in library land. So there are a lot of different ways to do that. And I always feel like I am only as good as the people I surround myself with. 
Um, You have listened to Dr. Moorfield Lang previously on this podcast. You've listened to to Ida Mae Craddock, who's personal friends. And so, you know, to surround yourself with big thinkers um, will really help you and get connected. And so I really feel like being a school librarian can be a lonely experience. Sometimes you're the only librarian in your school. Sometimes you're the only librarian with like assistance at several schools. Yeah. It can be a lonely experience because you can't go down the hall and be like, hey, that lesson was awful. Yeah. Someone who really knows in your, build, in your building what you do. And so, you know, it's important to get involved and make your own network, to make your own learning network, to surround yourself with people who are going to challenge you and are going to, you know, strengthen you. Um, whether that is getting involved with your school library association, whether that's getting involved with AASL, the American Association of School Librarians, uh, whether it's social media, it can make you feel connected. You'll get all of those cool new ideas. Um, you can get those strategies, um, especially with AASL. They have this Knowledge Quest blog that um, people post every single day, a new little thing. And then you can follow those people on social media. You know that they're thinkers, you know that they have good things to say. So being able to connect with people is definitely a thing for me. I am only as good as the people I surround myself with. So I would definitely say, if you can get involved with your association, go to a conference, see what else is out there. Um, You can write a blog, share with others. You know, people are going to want to be friends with you if you start to put yourself out there. So I really appreciate, you know, being able to follow people right out of library school or people who are brand new because you have been through those courses more recently than I have. Yes, definitely. So I really want to be able to learn from those that are younger than me or who are, have less experience, but also surround myself with the people who are really leading the charge with those big trends. Uh, Good points, Rachel. And, you know, earlier we were talking about, are you set up in districts? Are you set up by counties? Um, And just not being afraid of reaching out to whatever kind of setup you're in. You know, if you're in the same city with somebody, if you see somebody you want to follow and get to know better, reach out to them. Um, Because I really think our profession is one of the most welcoming professions, you know, of, of anybody. And that because we also realize that, that we, we are learning, like you were just saying, you want to learn from the new people as well. And we, we want to keep learning and growing ourselves. So don't be afraid to reach out, even if it's at the county level, even if it's somebody at the national level, just because you see them on Twitter or somewhere else, reach out to them because it's definitely worth your time. And then they're going to appreciate, you know, what they're going to be seeing and getting feedback, you know, from you with things too. So very good points. Rachel, what about for our, for the listening audience, since they're pretty new with all of this, do you have some first steps that you recommend to them? Yeah, I think my, my biggest advice would be kind of going back to what I said before. It's don't be afraid to put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to, you know, write your own little blog. People want to know what you're doing. Um, Maybe it's you had an awesome lesson and you're just reflecting on the awesomeness of being a librarian. Maybe it's, you know, you weeded for the very first time and how amazing your shelves look. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, maybe it's just putting yourself out there and then sharing it on social media. You might want to create just a professional librarian social media account. I have one that is just for library things. I only follow other librarians or library associations or authors. And it's really like an extension of my career 
because that's where I really kind of go and explore and learn from all kinds of people. It'll help you advocate. It'll help you feel connected to others that are doing the same work as you. Mm-hmm. Um, really liked seeing the hashtag for the upcoming AASL conference coming because now I can get excited about who's going to be presenting and what's there. Um, I would definitely suggest getting involved in your school library association. So I'm part of Basel, the Virginia Association of School Librarians, and you wouldn't believe all of the roles that there are. And if you see that there's something that your school li- your school library association isn't doing, suggest that you do it. Mm-hmm. I had a thought that um, you know our school library association should be taking advantage of the virtual environment and doing Zoom PD sessions, you know, just once a month at night. We kind of made up the topics as we went, and the president of Basel was like, "Go for it." And we advertised it through our newsletter. We put it through social media and we had a huge following. And that was something that wasn't offered until I said, you know what's missing? We should do this. And so you might be able to find those places where you can get connected and be part of your association that maybe no one else has thought of. Mm-hmm. Maybe your imposter syndrome will diminish just a little bit. <laughs> Very true. And what you were saying was kind of reminding me of some things I've seen some younger people do. Um, there's one librarian, Miss Callie in Georgia. I don't know if you've seen her, mm-hmm. but she does like her photo a day. This has been her whole first year, you know, where she's chronicling it with the photo and what she's been doing that day. And then uh, like my younger son, he, he saw the idea of same thing with a photo a day, but he's putting it into this app that turns it into a video. So he's Fun. not, he has like this video showing this whole past year, basically through the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was fun, you know, just recently we were looking at that and just kind of reminiscing on it, but it's, it's good. It's a good memory tool for yourself and a good way to even just see the growth, you know, that you personally have as you're care- starting to care, you know, about different things and focus on different things. So and it's also about, you know, getting your foot in the door. Yeah. You know, my very first thing that I did with Vasil was presenting at a conference. I just, I, pre- I put in a presentation that I had created in library school. And it was accepted and I was still in library school and presenting. And so, because you never know what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. something that was fresh at the time, that it was a trend that no one else had seen. Mm -hmm. And so they wanted what I was saying. So my very first thing was presenting. I've been regional director. Uh, Right now I do the e-newsletter. There's so many different places of your organization, even if it's just volunteering at a conference and you're just handing out pamphlets. Yeah. You know, you're really just being part of your association. So getting involved is definitely going to make your island feel a little bit bigger. Yeah. And so you can Google and find your state organization. And typically there is like a volunteer link, you know, that you could click and just see the different kinds of opportunities. But you're right. Conferences are a big time where they just need manpower, you know, to, to show up and do all, all kinds of right. things. guiding people to mm-hmm. <laughs> seeing a speaker. You know, that's an easy thing to do. But, exactly. Um, great first steps, Rachel. Thank you. So you, you've had several years now under your belt. Um, where do you go now for your inspiration and to keep learning? Well, that is a great question because I feel like I'm always learning. There's always something new happening. And so I feel like you're only as sharp as what you're looking for. True. So I really um, am part of AASL. I look a lot at their webinars that they release. I participate in their town halls. I am very active in my school library association. 
Um, I follow other state library associations on Twitter because I like to see what others are doing and bring them back to Virginia. Um, I go to conferences all the time. I read Knowledge Quest. I read School Library Connection. Mm -hmm. I follow a lot of library leaders on social media and see, you know, what research they're just finishing or what articles they're reading. And so they're really continuing to push me all the time. Um, something else is I try new experiences. You know, I have had my own blog, um, groverscornerofthelibrary.com for a while now. And in this past year, I have become a monthly blogger with Knowledge Quest with AASL. And it all came out of a tweet that I saw from AASL saying, hey, we want blog writers. So I just took a chance and I sent them some samples and now I write monthly. So it is something that is just, it's different. And not only that, but I connect with librarians in other states as well. Being able to network on social media has made conferences like AASL so much better because it's like, oh my gosh, I know you, I follow you. I like all of the posts that you post. And so you're really creating those connections that make those conferences that much better. And even if you don't have the finances to go to a conference or you don't have the finances to subscribe to AASL because it's very costly to be part of, of national organizations. Mm -hmm. There are always things around that can keep you professionally sharp. So it's only, you can only be as sharp as you really want to be. Now I've been around librarians that don't do anything you know, they don't go to professional development, even in their, in their county. Mm -hmm. It only takes stuff because they have to for recertification. And you can really see it in their, in their librarianship that they are not on top of trends. Mm -hmm. They're on top of who's who. And so I think being as involved as you'd like to be is really going to take you far. Yeah. Very true. Good points. Well, Rachel, it's been fun chatting with you today. So for our listeners who want to keep learning and seeing what you're doing and maybe seeing some of those secret things that you put in your makerspace. <laughs> where, where can they find you online? So I am very active on Twitter. I'm at rgrove1013. Okay. Um, on Instagram, my school library has its own Instagram. It's rrms library, just one word. All right. Find my blog on groverscorneroftheLibrary.com. And then if you go to the Knowledge Quest blog and just search my name, you can see all of the blogs that I have posted and I post one every month. Very nice. Well, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate all the little pearls of wisdom that you dropped for our listeners and I look forward to, to seeing what you do as we are heading back to the great start of next fall. So have a great day. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.